Hello, hello, and good morning, and welcome to On the Team Bus, where we bring you stories and adventures of the riders of Team ODZ. Each episode, we're going to try to hear from one of our team members and get to know them a little bit, and just hear some stories from on and off the bike. Today, we're here with David Bussey, this way. <laughs> and um, so, um, good morning, Dave. How are you today? Good morning, Jason. I'm great. Good, good, good. All right. So if you don't know David Bussey, I don't know how you would be riding on Zwift with Team ODZ and not know David Bussey. Um, but let's see if we can get to know him today. So, Dave, let's start off with the question of how did you first come across uh, Team ODZ? Well, <laughs> uh, and by the way, I, I, I've been Mr. Fantastic on ODZ for probably – A long it's time. Gotta be, it's got to be a year now. Whenever yeah. that, when the superheroes yeah. race was. Well, we're, was, we're not allowed to be. We're not allowed to be superheroes, though. Remember? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, someone someone has to lose. Um, well, I was I was on uh, Zwift in the beta um, back on the little three mile island, oh, yeah. uh, Jarvis, and I can't remember if it was on Jarvis or slightly when when Zwift um, in the beta. When the island first started, when uh, Watopia first started, but I got a text from a guy uh, down in California. Um, I think his name was Jason or something <laughs> like that. I do remember uh, this. saying saying, "Hey, uh, we're trying to put together like a group ride. You know, if you want to join us, you know, it's Tuesday mornings at five o'clock or whatever, five fifteen or whatever time it was." And I mean, I was basically like, well, okay, there's like 6,000 of us, you know, why not? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So back in the day, no events, no anything, just meet up at the line at this time, no join with, no ride with, nothing. And we just went out and rode. It was, it was a fun start. Yeah, I mean, those are back in the days where, yeah, we were still, oh, we were using Team uh, TeamSpeak to, to chat in between, I remember that. Yeah. We were riding Coffee Ride. Um, or I'm not even, or was TeamSpeak even a thing then? It probably wasn't. I it mean, was it all was, messaging. It might have been. It was it all messaging, been, yeah. yeah. We had, just, I mean, literally, Zwift was still infant. Yes. Or maybe it is. I don't, maybe it still is. <laughs> maybe it's still <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, we've got that. And I know you are a, um, a ride leader for us, um, and you've got one yeah. of the, the prime spots here. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about the ride that you uh, that you lead here with us at Team ODZ. Uh, well, I do the, um, the Friday Ebb Ride, and it was not my, um, it was not my ride to begin with. Um, William... Uh, yeah. Some people know him as Will I Am. Yeah, uh, started started the ride a long time ago, and basically he started it as sort of an easy pace, sort of a precursory warm up for the weekend ride, whatever you were going to do on Saturday. So not something to blow yourself up, but something to do a couple of leg openers with some short sprints and stuff like that, and uh, it just. He got busy and and it started out. Hey, can you do this a couple of times? You know, hey, let's switch off every other week. And eventually, he just got really, really busy. Yeah. And unfortunately, he's not around as much anymore. That every happens. Once in a while, he'll pop in. <laughs> yeah, that happens. That happens. Well, we've got. But, this... <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's been going on for about two years, I think, two and a half years. I mean, it's been a while. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's a great ride. Um, I know riders really enjoy it. One of the things um, for all of our ride leaders is um, the pace is definitely as advertised. So riders do love to yeah. go for that. And I know um, the one k sprint is something uh, that you can always always find um, on the ebb on the ebb ride, right? Yeah, that that morphed out of uh, out of uh, London. I think is yeah. the first we did, and it was myself, Matt Roth. Uh, Andy, I think, was in on it, and it was just like, "Hey, we got this 1K banner. What happens if on the final lap we just see what it. happens?" <laughs> I like it. I like it. And, and speaking of Andy, he is uh, he is on live with us, and he's saying that the Ebb is the second friendliest ride on Zwift. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've heard that. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. All right. All right. So some of the stories that uh, I um, wanted to bring Dave on today for is um, Dave does a good amount of um, cross writing. And there's been a lot of talk in um, on the page as well as kind of in the training lab as far as endurance lab is concerned. And I wanted to bring kind of um, an every man's cross rider. Um, a lot of times you'll hear stories from uh, the front of the pack or kind of like these pro-level riders. And I wanted to have someone with a good amount of experience to kind of just drop some knowledge here on us um, and about cross. So, Dave, maybe could you tell us a little bit about um, the history of you and cross riding and kind of you got, how you got involved with it and kind of how you understand what it is for uh, riders because I know you've been doing it for um, a good amount of time. So, basically, you brought me on as... That, was that a compliment? I, yeah. It was from the, from the mid-pack. Yeah. From the mid-pack. We don't want to that, know it. Because that, that's, that's where... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically, um, just a small history on myself. I used to be a lot larger than I am. I used to weigh about 260 and um, blew out both my knees in like 06, 07. And... Could have had surgery, um, didn't. Picked up the bike again. Um, in in college, I rode my bike all the time. Um, that was my primary mode of transportation in Santa Barbara. Um, got married, had kids, got loungy, got fat. <laughs> <laughs> I, Santa Barbara so Santa Barbara I, stories is a whole is a whole another podcast, isn't it? Huh? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do that one later. <laughs> Um, so basically, um, decided to get back on the bike. I mean, it was so bad. The first ride I did was about eight or nine miles and it took me 45 minutes and I was ready to die, throw my bike in the woods and just walk away. But I didn't, I, I rode the next day. Um, so I'm at work and a guy says, Hey, uh, you're into cycling, right? I said, yeah. And he said, well, th there's this event that I went to it's a bike race but it's kind of cool you might enjoy it I'm like oh really what's that he's like well it was out at the fairgrounds and they rode their bikes through barns and gravel and dirt and grass and barriers you got to pick your bike up and just every every weird concept you've heard about cross I was like really that sounds kind of cool um and I was kind of like, okay, well, that sounds like something I could do. Like, I hadn't really done a road race, hadn't done a mountain bike race, didn't. In fact, I sold my mountain bike to get a road bike because I wanted to go faster. <laughs> um, so, like everybody, you go one way or the other. Right. Uh, so, 
I said, oh, that's cool. So the, the place I worked, there was a race in the evenings that was about three miles from where I work. So I was like, well, I'll go take a look at it, watch it, and see how that looks. So I went and watched the first one. I'm like, yeah, that looks really fun. I think I could do that. So I can't even remember when I got the bike. I, I can't remember if I already had purchased the bike or was in the process of getting the bike. So that was like probably an O. 2010 maybe I would think um, I'd probably been riding about a year and a half back on the bike and so yeah just decided to start and uh, it, it, it was great I've probably done about 140 races in those eight years or so wow um, there's a there's a cool tool out there called crossresults.com and uh, basically it somehow pulls all the cross data from all the um all all the race uh, organizations so yeah it's kind of like, it's kind of like Zwift power so basically <laughs> you can go on there and not only does it tell you where you finished in all your races it you can directly compare with other riders like who have i rode the most against and um how have i done against that person how many wins or losses versus that person you know and stuff like that so really shows you some of the race within the race type stuff, which that's is kind of cool. That's really interesting. Um, and so, yeah, considering that um, that it's not as, I feel sometimes not as organized in some kind, you get a lot of one-off races, um, you definitely can have, uh, bring that all together is uh, pretty impressive, actually. Because I know there's some really great races, I know here in Southern California, where this kind of all started for you, but a lot of them end up being like one-off races in parks or um, this this, this sort of thing, but down here, could you tell me a little bit about how um, racing both here in California where the, um, and where you are now, um, how do you feel crosses different between uh, the different regions, and then we could even travel, you know, even far east, kind of how it differs east coast, west coast? Well, the there's, from all the, um, for whatever reason, well, I never raced in California, but I have looked at um, the cross scene down there a little bit. Um, besides the, the biggest thing about Oregon that's amazing is every week I can go to three or four different races, whether it's um, winter, summer, fall, whenever it is, if it's race season, there's, there's so many races within the Portland metro area. It's, it's almost mind boggling. I mean, you could literally, it's almost like Zwift. You just get your bike that day. You go to PIR, you do a road race, you can go do a mountain bike race the next day at PIR. You can, you know, all these different things. Whereas in California, I mean, you in, if you're doing cross racing in California, say Northern California, you might be driving to Sacramento one week. You might be driving yeah. to Eureka one week. You know, you literally could be driving three hours each week. The longest I would ever have to drive is like two hours to bend or something. But that's just a one weekend type of a thing. Right. Although Ben has their own scene. Ben has Ben has, you know, weekly races as well. So there's a few series that I do here. There's there's one called The Blind Date, which is tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks left of that. Nice. Uh, it's a five week series um, in the dark by the last week because of the, the nice. shorter days. <laughs> um, there's another series that popped up a couple a uh, couple years ago. Um, on Tuesday nights, kind of the same idea, um, different venue. Um, and then the big one is Cross Crusade, which is the world-famous um, 
series. They can have anywhere from uh, 1,200 to 1,500 uh, racers per day on the weekend. Wow. That is uh, busy. So, so think of think of like your county fair with bicycles. I mean, it's yeah. literally they've had they've had to change venues more times because of how many people there are than you know that kind of thing. Yeah, but they have they have about they have about eight races a year um, through that as well. I try and get to as many of those as possible. Yeah, and in, in the past in the past couple seasons, we've seen kind of the rise of um, like gravel racing or gravel riding. Um, I guess just for the viewers who may want to or kind of hear both of those words, how is that different from exactly what cross racing is versus um, gravel riding, gravel racing, for example? Well, I mean, to start with, for those um, not quite on board, a cross bike, a cyclocross bike is basically um, looks just like a road bike from a distance. The biggest difference is a little more tire clearance and typically you have mountain bike style brakes, at least in the old days. You had the cantilever yeah. brakes. Um, nowadays, with road going towards the disc brakes, they're starting to look even more similar. Um, and there's nothing to stop you from riding a mountain bike in most races right. unless, it's a, um, unless it's a pro UCI type race. Um, but for general racing, you can ride your mountain bike. A lot of guys do in the early season. A lot of guys will put flat bars on their cross bikes. Oh. Um, if that's a preference for them, um, that sort of thing. So there's all different kinds of things, but basically it's it's a road bike with knobby tires that are wider, um, and again the bike usually has more clearance. Um, that same bike can be ridden on the gravel. It can be ridden on the road. I mean, yeah, I've ridden my cross bike on long road rides, and my speed difference is maybe a half a half a mile per hour. It's 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 a pretty efficient machine. Yeah. If I could only buy one bike, it would be a cross bike. Yeah, yeah. Because um, you can literally <laughs> do anything. Yeah, totally. The, the bikes that I've seen kind of evolved are kind of a um, uh, Swiss Army knife, I guess you can call it. Um, oh, absolutely, of bikes. yeah. Yeah, and yeah. It, it would allow you to kind of t- 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 tackle any terrain. I mean, we've got any anywhere from like 32-millimeter tires, um, disc brakes, super comfortable, that sort of thing, still able to take on the road and that sort of thing. But I think one of the biggest difference um, as far as cross and gravel is I know gravel rides um, typically are um, a good amount longer. Sometimes that is the the differentiation as well as um, how the bikes are set up, obviously, for a longer ride um, versus the shorter format of a um, cyclocross. Cyclocross, you're looking at kind of more of a a criterium style, shorter. Um, How long are typically um, uh, the cyclocross um, races for you in your category? Yep, most uh, most cross races are um, early season thirty or forty minutes. Um, in season, about forty five minutes. The pro level um, elite rides are uh, usually an hour. Yeah. So, um, we, go ahead. I was going to say, and 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 in Oregon, the men and women both go an hour for the A race. Nice. Um, in some regions, the ladies do forty five instead of an hour. Yeah. So, and then on the on the gravel end, I mean, you could anywhere go from like a hundred k to, I mean, thirty k oh, to hundred miles, hundred miles, hundred plus miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it could be, um, and, yeah, it could vary. And gravels become very popular. Um, you know, here in Oregon, there's literally thousands of miles of uh, gravel uh, riding you can do. Nice. Uh, and they've there's 
a couple of different series of gravel racing. So yeah, I did one uh, that was 70 miles uh, in in the spring, and it was it was a lot of fun. Really hard, probably harder than any century I've done. Yeah. Then and speaking of our uh, 32 millimeter uh, tires, we've got Mitchell Dangerman here this morning. Good morning, Mitch. Thanks for joining us. He's got a great um, kind of a uh, bike uh, for this sort of thing, both gravel and. Um, for uh, for cyclocross, I don't think he's actually cyclocross, but um, he's one to throw daggers here. Saying Andy's saying that uh, the bussy uh, that the rides or the races last until bussy crashes. <laughs> uh, I believe that's Chris you're talking about. That's, that's a Haskell thing. He has he has videos to show it. This is true. This is true. And then Mitch says, you know, um, don't forget, um, cyclocross has a drinking of good beer afterwards. So that's part of that culture. So. I guess that, that is a good conversation to have. Like, how is the culture different between, you know, crit-type crit racing, road racing versus the kind of gravel and um, cyclocrossing? I know that's one thing that really draws people, kind of that, that different feel, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, the cool thing about cross racing, um, not only do you see the same people week by week, um, you know, each, each race you go to, um, it's really more of a carnival-type atmosphere. So people will show up and watch three or four races after they're done racing yeah. or before they race, you know. So it's it's really fun. Um, one of the most famous parts of cyclocross is the heckling. Yeah. Um, you know, the heckling can be ridiculous. It can be crazy. Um, usually it's pretty clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you've, you've, you've posted you know, some pictures of pretty, like, was it around Halloween time? It gets pretty creative over there. <laughs> oh, they they do Halloween races complete with costumes. It, yeah, that that is ridiculous as well. Um, you know, there was one year a guy rode the course um, for forty five minutes with a giraffe outfit with complete with a ten foot neck. Um, I don't know how he had that cantilever, but you know, ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. All right, so shifting gears a little bit, um, as far as um, training, do you feel that your training is different um, for road versus um, cyclocross? Um, you know, not particularly. Um, I've done a lot of the training that I have done over the years, whether it's been for a century ride or um, it, it, endurance is the biggest thing. I've used a lot of the Chris Carmichael uh, training mm-hmm. plans, the uh, Time Crunch Cyclist. Yeah. Um, can't disregard those at all. I've, I've even input some of the, some of the workouts in Zwift and they work great, you know, on there much better than the old days, just listening to headphones and scribbled notes as far as your times (laughs) and and levels and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I mean, the training can change a little bit based on the shorter necessity for the endurance versus like a century ride or what have you. Um, but it's a lot of the same stuff. Over-unders are big. You know, that's because basically a cross race is a long over. Yeah. Over, <laughs> over, over, not, over is what I hear. There's typically not an <laughs> under. I mean, maybe you'll get a small downhill that you can kind of, but someone's always going to be going over on the, the part you want to rest. So, you know, there never is really a rest. Um, most races, especially when you're in the middle of the season and it's muddy and sloppy and you can barely pedal your bike because it's so thick with mud, if you're not asking yourself, why am I here, <laughs> you're not riding hard enough. Yeah. I mean, that's, and, and you ask anyone who does cyclocross very often, 
they're all going to say every race I ask myself, why am I doing this? <laughs> That's really this funny. Thing I could ever imagine. So you, so you mentioned a little bit of running. Um, doing a little bit of research here, I was wondering how far um, can they actually make you run? And I think uh, by course design, I hear it's uh, 80 meters. But um, from the stories from uh, from the races, I hear if it's a big, uh, if it's a full mutter, you could find yourself running a good amount um, through the whole course. So as far as how, how does that play a role in uh, a lot of your races? As far as like getting off the on and off the bike and running. Well, sure. I mean, if there's Basically, it's always more efficient to pedal, to always. ride your bike. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's thick mud and you're going two miles per hour, because that happens, you know, you can have some races will have, you know, 100 feet straight, just two inch thick, deep mud. Your tires are getting sucked together by the mud and you can barely move. It's still more efficient to use your spinning legs as much as possible. Run at the last moment that you have to. Um, so basically there's barriers are one thing that's on every race, uh, which makes it a cross race versus a short track mountain bike race or something else. And a barrier is typically, it could be a log, it could be a tree, it could be, um, typically it's, um, 18 inch high, um, boards set up, um, about probably 15 feet apart roughly, you know, so that you can get it at stride. Most Riders, once they're good at it, um, are off the bike and over the barriers and haven't really slowed down much. So you're basically almost a sprint carrying your bike across the barriers. Um, Another type of barrier is an uphill section that you just can't ride anymore, either because of the steepness or because of the mud, again, or the slippery or whatever. Um, So you might have to run up a 50-foot hill. Um mid-race on each lap or whatever so typically on a dry course not a huge hill you might be off your bike three times um, in a lap Um, if it's muddy if it's hilly if it's nasty you might be off your bike you know a hundred yards or more each lap yeah that thing total yes speaking speaking of getting off the bike and running uh there's been a question from a Karen and uh, Mitch, uh, Mitch here um, live, they were asking about the shoe difference that you have. I guess it would be like mountain bike versus um, cross, I mean, obviously road bikes, but I guess how about just, is there something special about the, the shoe or is you, are you just using a standard mountain bike or do other people go even further than that? Uh, so why why a cross bike versus a mountain bike? Is that uh, no, no, shoes in specific. Shoes, oh, like shoe, shoe difference. Shoe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the, basically it's the same as the mountain bike shoes. Um, so I, I use the CD dominator, um, mountain bike shoes. They're like 250 bucks or whatever. Um, I use them for everything. I use them for road. I use them for, um, for cross mountain, unless I go flat pedals and I use whatever I have for that. But, um, yeah, typically, um, I like a lot the crank brothers pedals, um, just because they're easy to get in, easy to get out. Um, you know, the one thing you don't want to have happen is if you have to dismount on a hill or something is to not be able to get out of your pedals. And especially, again, I started out with bad knees. I wanted something super easy. I tried SPDs. They were a little tough to get out of. Yeah. Um, the Crank Brothers, a lot of times if you're on a hill and all of a sudden your momentum stops, my 
foot is out of the pedal before I've even thought about it. The Crank yeah. Brothers are just that easy, that, you know, no problems with them. Yeah, Except I've... eventually they wear out if you don't lube them all the time and that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so uh, I guess there, if uh, this is a, maybe a good point in the conversation, there's two ways to get off the bike. Uh, there's a step, what is it, step step through and a step around, is it? So, wow, uh, so, <laughs> someone, someone's done some homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so uh, so what, what side of the fence do you uh, sit on this? And maybe we could explain kind of uh, what each is. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, in fact, so so my first year of cross, again, I had bad knees. I didn't want to screw that up. Um, <laughs> so my first year of cross, I, re- I rode flat pedals. Okay, that's good. Um, and I was actually ridiculed in some photos. Oh. It's like you're wearing like you're wearing like hiking shoes. What's going on? <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, so eventually, I did go to I you know within about a year, I went to the uh, to the clip-ins. Um, and basically, so, so my first thought when I bought the clip-ins, I learned to ride them on the road. I knew how they worked. I had no idea how to dismount. <laughs> how to get off the bike. Because you're clipped in on both sides. I, right. I, my brain could not wrap around how to get out of the pedals, yeah. even though I've been to races or whatever. I went to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I went to YouTube to learn how to dismount out of the pedals. So basically... Um, whichever way you do it, typically you're going to, um, unclip your, most people take their, their, uh, right leg off first mm-hmm. and then get off on the left side of the bike, which I think is the same side as a horse. It's been a while, but I believe it's the same. <laughs> I, I think believe so. It's the same side. I think so. Yeah. Um, you don't want to startle your bike. That's the thing. You want to <laughs> yeah. do it the same every time. No bucking so bikes. You no bucking bikes. Yeah, you don't want to startle it. Um, <laughs> So basically, you you unclip your your uh, right foot, and if you're coming up to a, a barrier, you can un and you're coasting, say like down a little hill or something. You can uh, you can unclip well before you get to the barrier or the hill or whatever it is. Um, so basically, you unclip, you pull that leg off over your saddle, and then basically you, you as you mentioned, there are two options. One way. And this this makes no sense, but it does. <laughs> is is the through method that you mentioned? A lot of the pro ra- racers I've seen will do that, like yeah. Tim Johnson and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And basically, you run that that right leg between the bike and your left leg. Yeah. And again, you're like, how is that even going to not result in a, a horrible crash? It works. What for whatever reason, it it twists your your other foot and it pops out. Um, the other method is to run that right leg behind your left leg, and basically that forces your left leg to twist out and pop out of the pedal automatically. Um, either way, I do it. I do it behind. Um, it just seems easier for me. Neither way is right or wrong. Yeah. But if it seems weird and you're going to try it, watch a video. Yeah. It makes <laughs> it makes more sense when you see them explain it and do it a few times. Yeah. Uh, but literally you can you can get off and hardly lose any speed over the barriers or what have you just because it's such a fluid motion and then you're back on the bike, you're still rolling with your momentum and back in the pedals and, and gone. The hardest dismount is actually um if you lose momentum on a hill. Mm-hmm. Cuz basically you're just there's no real easy way, especially if it's if it's an off camber 
hill, which they have plenty of those, um, and you're on the wrong side of the camber <laughs> to get off on the right side or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it 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 can get like your brain's like, okay, how am I doing? And and you have to do all this on the fly, and um, that's where pre-writing comes in handy. Yeah, sometimes. right. Yeah. I was I was gonna bring in um so with with these like essentially specific skill, skills um dealing with uh, different types of turns, we could talk about pre-ride also, but specifically um I know a lot of riders do talk about practice. How do you feel um you know practicing when you're not at a race? Do you do any of that? Do you feel like that's useful, or do you feel like it's kind of too much, like it's just go there, have a good time, and just learn as you go type of type practice for uh, cyclocross. Well, I did more when I first started, um, as far as you know, going to a park or a school and and mm-hmm. just doing circles on your bike and and weaving around because basically a cross race involves, uh, depending on how they have it set up, of course, involves many many turns, and many of those turns are 180 degrees with about three meters of of uh track on each side so basically you have six meters roughly to do a u-turn um typically coming into it at 15 miles an hour or whatever so yeah you, know, you gotta slow pick your line and go sometimes it's muddy which adds to the fun yeah yeah <laughs> so so mitch says since you've got all the tip uh, all the tricks down with uh, dismounting and all the race lines do you still practice the beer drinking uh, no, that comes pretty easily. <laughs> that comes pretty easily. <laughs> All right. You did mention, you did mention a little bit pre-ride stuff. So uh, a lot of times I know riders will get a chance to kind of jump in and check out, um, kind of the course itself. Um, I know line, line choice or kind of where people are running the lines, um, is important too. So, um, with that and different surfaces, if you could talk about different surfaces and kind of the pre-ride of the course, what you're looking for during that time. Yeah. Pre, pre-ride is very, very important. Um, it it basically so so like the the Wednesday night race I do they literally change parts of the course every week oh wow so a a turn they don't have to they just like to yeah yeah so, yeah, a, yeah. so a turn that you took last week especially if your brain is following the the grass that's worn from the week before oh. if you take that line you might end up in the tape or end up in the tape or something. Yeah. <laughs> so basically pre pre-riding um is is a great thing even like a course that they use once a year it's going to have a lot of similar characteristics but there's still going to be a, a turn or a downhill or an uphill that you didn't expect if you don't pre-ride the course so it's very important um typically i will try and get to any event at least an hour of open time before the event whether it's on a saturday morning or a wednesday after work um just a pre-ride, see how the course looks. Um, usually the first time through is at a very moderate pace, um, you know, five, seven miles an hour, just checking it out, just seeing what it looks like, um, deciding what, what lines you might want to take, that sort of thing. Um, if it's a dry course, the lines are a little bit less important and they're just yeah. going to be pretty standard like you would in a, in a turn on a crit. It's like, okay, you start your turn, you do your apex, you leave the turn, um, you know when to start pedaling and all that. But if it gets muddy, um, that's when you really have to pick your lines really carefully um, based on the depth of the mud, based on, hey, there's grass on the edge, I can get traction there. Uh, You know, although sometimes the mud is 
better to travel than the, I mean, every, so practicing before the race is really important. Um, gravel, typically there's different kinds. There's the, the thick, heavy gravel that they just put down that's never been ridden on. And there's the gravel that, um, has been ridden on. And, and there's usually one line that is the good line. The rest of it is yeah. that thicker gravel. So one line kind of wears down to the, to the bedrock underneath. Um, sometimes that doesn't appear because at the beginning of the race, beginning of the series of races that day, um, the gravel was thick, but then it gets separated and eventually, so by the time your race comes, there still might be a better line than there was when you first pre-rode the course. So you have to be, you have to still scan and and be able to adjust your tactic or your, your lines during the race, even from lap to lap. I mean, you might try, you might try a corner one way during a race and it, and there was traffic and you didn't get to the place you wanted to get. So you have to figure out earlier how to get there, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So yeah. yeah. I think that's one thing about um, cross that riders really enjoy. It is a little bit more dynamic. Um, obviously like during a crit, for example, since the surface is the same, every time you come around the corner, you know, your, your lead in your apex and um, your exit could be, you know, very, changes very little but for a cross race it can change every lap so a lot of riders like that um a lot of less predictability they have to be on their toes making choices um so that's one thing that riders really enjoy about cross um one thing i did want to bring um up and ask about is about nutrition um how is it for you what what is your tips and track um, tactics as far as like before um during or even after obviously we talked about a beer being a big part of the culture, but uh, before and before and during, um, because the, the rides are short, um, what, what is your kind of uh, approach to it all? Well, typically um, on a on a uh, weekend race, I will start my morning with um, big bowl of uh, of uh, oatmeal with uh, pecans and craisins and brown sugar and cinnamon. Oh, and I think I've, I've seen this. I've seen this. Yes. <laughs> The really good stuff, um, just because that's sort of a long burning fuel that is just good to have in your belly, and you know you're not really gonna have to do anything for three or four hours, but it just kind of tops everything off, gets you going um, for your day, and lots of coffee. Um, yeah, there's never enough coffee in the mornings. <laughs> <laughs> um, on a on a on a uh, weekday ride like tonight, um, I'll typically make a peanut butter jelly Nutella sandwich. Nice. And I'll eat half of it after work, right, you know, probably an hour and a half before the racing and all that. So, again, just something to not be hungry and just, you know, not a huge meal, but something just to have in your belly and, and be able to work from. Um, typically, before the race, um, I really like the cliff, um, the cliff blocks, the uh, black cherry with the caffeine in it. That's a good one. Um, I'll usually eat three of them right before. Three of the little cubes, not three bars. <laughs> That's a lot. Just so Mitch knows. Don't, don't go overboard, Mitch. Not a, uh, yeah, too, so I think we've had that effort, like, yeah. Like half the package, three of them um, maybe half hour, 15 minutes before, and then um, the rest of them either right before or even sometimes I'll do it during. During I'll just grab them out of my pocket or whatever. Um, and then typically I just ride with – well – a big a big contention in cross racing is do you have a bottle on board? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 
typically early season when it's still warm, like tonight it's supposed to be about 80 degrees, I'll definitely have a bottle. Um, when it gets around to, and, and you kind of need it. I mean, you, you'll get the cotton mouth, the whole thing, if you don't, because you're basically going so hard. Um, as the season progresses, um, you know, three weeks from now, I probably will take the bottle cage off the bike totally and, and won't have a bottle at all. So just depends on, on, on the race, the conditions, you know, and all that kind of thing. All right, all right. So we're coming up on time here, but there is a burning question coming from the live stream is we've got plenty of bikes behind you. Uh, can you take us a little bit through our stable there of what you've got and kind of tell us a little bit about your bikes there? Yeah, my wife would say this isn't even all of them. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one, this is a nice bike. This is this is the one that this is the classic bike that uh, has been ridden more this 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 uh, last month than usual. Yeah. Uh, I was told by a guy who knows old bikes. It's probably from the late '80s. Nice. Um, down down tube shifters. You get a, a millennial once in a while say, "Hey, how do you shift? How that do you thing? shift those things? How do you shift <laughs> that thing?" Gosh, um, it's a fun bike to ride. Um, the seat on it is horrible, so I need to get it. I need to get a new seat that that matches my other seats. Again, just like pedals. It's like use yeah. the same pedals on all your bikes. Use the same shoes on all your bikes. White. Why change what works? It's like yeah. you're not going to shave that much time off your off your road time because you have a matching saddle to to the era of your bike or something. Exactly. Uh, behind me, I've got my Norco mountain bike, which I use for uh, for uh, short track and um, cross country uh, mountain bike rides, stuff like that. Uh, behind that is a weird um, Cannondale that I kind of got for free. <laughs> I'm not sure if you can even see yeah, that I can one. Yeah, I can see it. Um, and that one, it's it's a strange design. It's a it's a it's a it's a 46er, I guess, or a hmm. 64. I'm not even sure which way you do it. <laughs> but it's got a 24 inch wheel in the back and oh. a and a 26 inch wheel in the front. Interesting. When mountain when mountain bikes were first coming out, apparently Cannondale thought that would be really cool That'd to be do a thing. that. Yeah, um, the bike is, I got it for free, I put it, it was sort of taken apart a little bit, I put it together, it rides fine, it's just a weird little bike. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and then uh, and then your um, your your road bike there. Uh, well, oh, behind, I didn't <laughs> see that um, That's my 2001 Lightspeed. Yeah, uh, I love that bike. I, my first road bike was a Le Mans uh, titanium bike. Wow. And... Like a lot of guys, I bought it online, of course, on eBay. Um, beautiful yellow pearlescent paint, the whole thing. Just a lovely bike. Rode great, but it was a 57, a little too big for me. And Le Mans are kind of long bikes mm -hmm. anyway, so mm -hmm. I was really stretched out and being old and having a bad back and all that stuff. Um, I was able to do a century on it, no problem, but it was just not the perfect fit. So I sold that. I took all the parts off, sold the parts, sold the frame on eBay, um, and I found this Lightspeed Titanium. It was I got it for nine hundred and seventy-five bucks. It's a two thousand one nine-speed Ultegra. Um, got it for nine hundred seventy-five bucks. Put my better wheels on it that I'd taken off. Uh, actually, I'd purchased them separate. Put the seat I liked on it, nice. and so basically for. You know, it's a $1,500 bike. 
And if it's tuned up and running well, literally it's so quiet you can't even hear it coming. Uh, I had I startled a guy getting his mail one time <laughs> as I was pedaling up a hill. He's like, "Oh, I didn't even I didn't even hear you coming." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Kind of but um, it's a great bike, super comfortable. Um, did STP on it. Oh wow! Uh, so yeah, it's, very it's, cool. It's not as fast as some people, but yeah. Like, and he's got and he's got two comments for us he said that cannondale back there sounds a little perfect like a perfect match to bussy it rides okay but it's just a little bit weird (laughs) and he and he also asked if you take all the bottle cages off how do you carry the beer (laughs) uh well the beer stays in the car and you just get that afterward yeah yeah Uh, (laughs) i mean beer hand-ups aren't really allowed but they they've happened Nice, nice. Uh, Portland has a strange culture. I mean, they they do they do like dollar hand ups. They'll, they'll put like a dollar in a in a can or bottle, like hanging out, and put it on the ground. So you have to like reach down and grab it, kind of a thing. Um, I've got a great. There, there there used to be this gal that um, she would race four races a day. Wow. Um, one race was a unicycle race. Oh my gosh. But it, but that was only one lap, um, and and they would go down the hills, up the the whole thing. Everything, on the huh? Yeah, just crazy. But she would do. She was like sixteen or whatever. She would do four four races a day. But I have this great picture of her um, on this uphill section. So she's riding her bike up the steep hill that a lot of guys can't even ride. Hmm. Reaching down, grabbing a dollar bill out of a bottle. That's at, at the top of the hill without even losing stride or or anything um which makes me think if i tried something like that i would crash (laughs) um crashing is part of cyclocross yeah Uh, if you if you race long enough um you will crash eventually especially in the early years you will crash a lot yes (laughs) in the early races of the year you will crash a lot um with the mud not a crash per se but if you lose track, or if you, if yeah, if you lose traction with your rear wheel, you're probably going to go down. You're going to get in the mud. You're going to fall down. I've had races where everybody's on the start on a long muddy section, and you can't see the ruts underneath the mud. Yeah. And some guy going 15, 20 miles an hour, some guy right in front of you just goes down in the mud, and next thing you know, there's a barrier that wasn't yeah. on the course plan. <laughs> Stuff <laughs> like that. That's uh, awesome. It, it's a great sport. It's a fun sport. It's exciting sport. Um, it's the camaraderie. Even if you don't go to race and you just went to watch, it's a lot of fun. I mean, there's always something going on. Always exciting. Um, also, a if, if someone wants to know more about cross and has no idea what it even is like and can't get to a race easily or doesn't want to go out and get their shoes wet or dirty. <laughs> Um, there's a great movie, um, that you can actually get on, uh, on YouTube right now. Um, Tim Johnson is one of the best cross racers there's been, um, in the last 15, 20 years or whatever. There's been probably five or six ultimate racers. Um, he actually did a movie that was basically, um, a season of his cross racing, Mm. uh, series. And uh, it's called The Nine Ball Diaries, 
And if you watch it, you'll figure out what that means. Basically, his kit, he, he was a solo team guy. He didn't have a big team. He was just basically by himself. And his kit had um, nine balls on it, like from pool. So it's called the Nine 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 Ball Diaries. It's a great movie. It, it's it's pretty short. It's like forty five minutes maybe, but it goes through everything cross that you can imagine. Every question you might have. Every um, it's a documentary. It's a really good film. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. We definitely have to check that out. I actually haven't seen it myself. So awesome. I do want to respect your time and thank you for that. So again, thanks everybody for joining us today here on the team bus. This is our first episode here with David Bussey. Um, where I think we're going to be titling cross is coming. I know that's a big thing in cross. So it's definitely here. Weather's turning to turn. Um, the, the temperatures are starting to change. Um, but it's always the same here in California. So I, I don't know what that's all about. But if it's your first time. <laughs> You're doing a race this year, right? That's the, you know, I always try to do one. There is only a handful out here, like you said. It takes a good amount of um, of driving. I do have I do have thought about taking my mountain bike out to do one, and there is one in Redlands, which isn't too far away. Um, so you know, you know, Andy was asking just now, same question, and you always ask me every year. You know what? I really would like to try it. So. <laughs> picture or it didn't happen exactly exactly all right so if it's your first time listening here um to uh on the team bus with us and like to hear more from of content here from us at the endurance lab just head over to your favorite podcast app um search endurance lab or head over to youtube and the same and don't forget to click subscribe if you're looking for more information of when the next lab is head over to endurancelab.fit to learn where you can join us to train smart and get results thanks for joining us dave we really enjoyed it today get muddy Get your what? Good night. Get muddy. <laughs> Get muddy.